took a lot of coaching, got some counseling even, you know, with, with different things. And I look back on a lot of things that were programmed myself and I, I took it to heart where I got coaching, I got uh, mentors, I got I was in masterminds with like-minded people. And so it elevated my mindset to, to think differently, think more abundantly, think like, uh, think in a way that I do deserve you know, whatever it is meant, because I've worked for it and so on. And I think, you know, it's 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 a nonstop process of, of growth. Okay, founders, welcome to another episode of the Gab Lab, a show that drops financial intel and insight that won't only blow your mind, but it's there to help build your bottom line as well. I'm your show host, Tanya Woods-Richardson, and today we are joined in the lab by none other than Kendall Netmaker. Kendall, I am so uh, thankful and grateful that you've made the time to be in the lab with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to speak with you. I know that many entrepreneurs, many founders in Saskatchewan, and I think probably in Manitoba and Alberta are um, fairly familiar with your name. And if they aren't, they soon will be. Um, But you do a ton of speaking actually around the world, don't you, on entrepreneurship and resiliency and strength and Absolutely. You know, initially it was about people wanted to hear the story behind how we started, how we got started, how we grew and whatnot. But then it became a different business. We started to, to, to speak on leadership. And now during this age that we're going through, it's, it's primarily Indigenous awareness, education, diversity, inclusion. That's kind of the topic that we're, we're focused on right now because there's a big need for it. And so, yeah, we can talk more about that as we get into this. But uh, yeah, there's lots happening behind the scenes right now. Well, again, thanks for making the time. I think we're going to get into some important, uh, important conversation here. So Kendall is the founder of Nietzsche Gear. For those of you that are listening in that that aren't familiar with Kendall's work, um, Kendall and I go back to, I think it was like 2012. I was trying to figure out the date there, Kendall, when you were first getting going with Nietzsche Gear. And, and Nietzsche Gear has just exploded and, and has done some phenomenal work, not just from an entrepreneurship perspective, but from a philanthropy perspective and getting kids involved in, in sport. And um, so some really exciting stuff there that I definitely want to chat with you about today. But I'm also really curious, Kendall, as I was preparing for this particular episode, I usually don't dive in to people's past so much. But because we know that, um, you know, how we manage our money in business is usually indicative of how we manage our money at home. And then Mm -hmm. that is usually indicative of our early upbringing. I was wondering if it'd be okay to chat with you a little bit about those early days for you with your mom and your three sisters, mm-hmm. and then how that informed or influenced your take on financials or your relationship with money overall. It, it big time had a huge impact in the beginning, especially because when I would, when I got into business and we started to have months where uh, we'd have record sales, for example. Um, I didn't know how to maintain it because of my mindset. My mindset wasn't uh, in 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 alignment with where I was trying to go, and so I had to go back and do some searching. and And some of the things that you know I grew up with was, um, you know, growing up in Sweetgrass, we uh, social assistance was a normal. For, it's it was like a normal for a lot of our people back home, and. In many ways, it still is. Uh, you know, there's no on. There's very at the time there was very little ec dev development. There was no entrepreneurs that I could say that look like me, that talk like me, that are from communities like mine. Um, 
the, the nearest city was North Balford, you know, very few people at the time had vehicles. So, you know, we were, we were stuck in a, a cycle of poverty. And so we, 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 because social assistance welfare was normal to us, that also meant that we'd have to find ways to, uh, to use our resources. And you look at the people around you, what are they doing? Well, some of them are going to the pawn shop. Some of them are collecting cans and bottles. So we started doing that and we started pawning our belongings. The modern day, I'd say the modern day pawn shop for a lot of people, which is very wrecking a lot of people, I, I think, in my opinion, are uh, people that now prey on uh, people from my background and do like, you know, these furniture loans, these, mm. these high interest vehicle loans. Um, and now we look at places that are giving, you know, cash, they'll, they'll, they'll give you cash right away for extremely high interest rates. That's, that's very easy to attain now. And it, it throws a lot of people under the bus for a long time. You know, they, they can't get out of that. And um, for myself, I used to watch my mom being put in those situations. And I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any better. So struggle was a normal to me. And so as I got into business, I didn't know that subconsciously that was still there. And I had to go and fix that. I used to, I used to be told that I used to have this belief that we we're always going to struggle. We were always going to struggle. We were always going to struggle. It was always going to be tough for us. It's tough for people like us. That's that was always like a narrative in the back of my head. And so as I got into business and I would I would have some success, I did I I still didn't feel like there was people that I could go and talk to that were uh, like me, that were First Nations, that were raised, you know, grassroots on our, our communities, grew, grew up for a lot of different struggles that we grew up with. And so when you're alone in the world, now you're, you're, you're learning from everyone else. And um, one of the things that I, I was grateful to learn was about mindset and how we can, we can uh, condition our mind to, in a sense, we can condition our mind to let go of things that don't serve us anymore. And one of those things that didn't serve me no more was the, that I can't have abundance in my life and affect the people positively with whatever I'm meant to obtain in my life, whether it be through business, whether it be through resources, connections, and so on. But if I went into even this present moment, I still had this mindset of I was always going to struggle. I wouldn't be here talking to you right now, Tanya. So yeah. I had to, I had to almost put a close that door of that, that mindset of that. And that was something that really held me back for a long time. You so know, let, yeah, let me was, ask you, I'm curious how, uh, because you had the you had the strength or you had the ability to actually see yeah. that you had a mindset challenge. And I think I, 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 th there was a condition there that wasn't serving you. It wasn't in your best interest. And I work with so many founders that don't even recognize, that can't even see that there's a barrier or a challenge to their mindset. Do you, yeah. do you recall what it was for you that, that actually made you aware in the first place that there was a challenge there? Mm, I, I think, you know, it, it, as we, as we've known each other for what, almost 10 years now, Tanya, yeah. one of the things that you said in the beginning was that I've been coachable along the process. And because of that other mindset of being coachable, learning from as many people as I can, when I would get sales or I would get something, I had a hard time keeping it. I had a hard time keeping momentum. I had a hard time uh, replicating that success. I go back to where my mind was still at. It almost like I would self-sabotage because of what was up here, right? And so when I started happening, I started to question, why is this happening? I started to really look into what, what the heck's going on here? During that time, 
I started learning more about uh, learning more from from other business owners. I started getting more coaching, mentorship, and so on. And and then when I got into speaking, you know, to to doing my own coaching, I started to realize that there was a there was a what what some would call a paradigm that was wasn't serving me anymore. There's a mindset that was conditioned ever since I was a child, and it was going back to that that belief that we're always going to struggle, that we weren't meant to be abundant in, in financial ways. It was hard because it came from my mom. Mm. That was the, 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 you know, because I have so much respect for my mother and all the things that she did to sacrifice us, this was something I had a hard time letting go of because of everything that she did for us. And I respected that, but this was something that I had to fix. And, you know, and I, I remember telling my mom, I had to go back and tell her, I said, you know what, mom, I know that you told us this growing up, but uh, I, I'm going to tell you, I meant for that. I meant for this. You know why? Because I'm going to help our people one day with whatever resources I get. I said, so I have to let go of this belief. I'm just telling you. And I didn't mean to, you know, I didn't try to say it in an offensive way. I was just, we were having a conversation, uh, a mother-son convo. And that was, uh, you know, I told her that and and uh, she she didn't really say too much, you know, and I I said it with, with a hundred percent certainty. If I meant to, uh, obtain something my belief is i have to try help whatever way i can that's why i started helping with youth sport that's why um i created our own fund for for education sports and culture and you know hopefully as i grow i'll i'll i'll, I'll meet more people that has share, share similar interests who are non-indigenous and want to support people from my background and then i'll be able to relate them into the proper resources to do that so i'm here for that right i'm i'm kind of mm -hmm. uh I guess I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to bridge the worlds in a way. That's kind of how I look at it. Well, we're so lucky that you are. And we're so lucky that you have the, the courage to share the story. Because I, I know that, you know, that the vast majority of founders fail because of poor financial management. And it is because they are bringing their story to yeah. their business. And many of them don't see it. And, and for you to be able to open up and share your story is so powerful because it lets others know that they're not alone and it hopefully lets others, you know, reach out and, and get the help that they need. Yeah. Um, I heard in that Kindle, I heard two really important things that I just want to uh, reiterate for, for people watching or listening. One is that you, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually recognize that you were going through a, a pattern that mm -hmm. you were doing the same thing over and over again. So whether it was the money coming in and then stopping in that cycle of kind of boom bust or feast famine or uh, the, I think you used the words inability to, to sustain consistent yeah. momentum. So that sounded like to me, that was one thing that founders who are listening in might be able to identify with if they see that they're in a pattern and then try to attach the mindset to that, right? What is the negative mindset that keeps you in that pattern? Mm -hmm. What is keeping you stuck? The other thing I love, Kendall, about your story is um, your strength and conviction to just choose a new story mm -hmm. and, and to have that conversation with your mom, a new narrative to say, um, out of love and respect to your story, I need to choose a new direction. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not dismissing hers, but it's it's a, it's a new choice for you. Thank I'll you. share with you something real quick here, Tanya. Please, yeah. One of the things that um, it, it was an advantage to grow up that way in many ways, because one of the things that my mother would do is I would watch her 
literally budget a, a, a welfare check. She would sit there with a notepad and, and pen at a table and she'd be budgeting everything, what she needed to get for groceries, what bills mm-hmm. she had to pay. And I'd sit and I'd watch her. I was like, holy man. And she, on top of that, she used shorthand where she learned at some course. And I was like, well, I couldn't even read half the stuff that she was, but she was just, you know, she'd be sitting there doing that. And then when uh, she'd find a ride to go to the city, uh, she would she would take that budget with her and she would go and get the necessary things that we needed for our, our, our home. So as I got into business, um, I, I was able to budget low income coming in at the time. And so it, it became an advantage. I was already a broke student getting out of university. My son was just a, a newborn. Rachel was finishing her university. We were living in a one bedroom apartment. I was trying to figure out how to get this off the ground. It was um, it was challenging. So throughout that time, the the advantage was we were already used to not having a lot so we worked with what we had and that's where a lot of people they no matter what so people with more privileged backgrounds when they get an abundance of cash they have a hard time managing that because they don't know how to use what they have first before the cash yeah what resources do you have use that use that to its full potential then use a cash injection, then you can get to another level and so on. So for us, we were already, we were used to that. And um, it, it became a huge advantage for us in the beginning. I love that. I think the saying is, if you can manage a dime, you can manage a million, right? Exactly. And so yeah. getting, getting, uh, so, so that was definitely one of the strengths and the assets that you took into that business was the managing. I heard that, so again, correct me if I'm wrong, but then in the business, it was this, was the mindset around that you felt that you're, you needed to continuously struggle or was it around, I'm not deserving of all of this money coming in? Um, it, it, I guess kind of a, a mixture of both in a ways, but I, I think it was just kind of like our people were not meant to, to be, um, you know, rich financially, rich financially rich, you know, with, with money. And so that, that narrative always was, would float around subconsciously in my mind. And so subconsciously, when it, when it, when we would get, um, you know, thousands in revenue, it had a hard time, it would flow through, you know what I mean? It, was, it yeah. just wouldn't, it wouldn't stay. So I guess it, it, I would, I would develop ways where I wouldn't even realize that were unnecessary expenses just to kind of get rid of that money. And so, you know, in, in a way I'm still going through that, Tanya, I'm still, I'm still battling that part of, of that. And so it's uh it's nonstop, but it's, you have to acknowledge that first so you can make the change and, and start being proactive with that. And took a lot of coaching, got some counseling even, you know, with, with different things. And I look back on a lot of things that were programmed myself and I, I took it to heart where I got coaching. I got uh, mentors. I got, I was in masterminds with like-minded people. And so it elevated my mindset to, to think differently, think more abundantly, think like, um, think in a way that I do deserve, you know, whatever it is meant, because I've worked for it and so on. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a nonstop process of, of growth. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, we, we never really arrive, do we? We don't get mm-hmm. it all figured out, but it's, um, it's those small, consistent steps forward. But to your point, the first step is always, is always awareness. Yeah. So would you say then for those that are listening that are struggling a little bit with uh, with finances or even just the, the just the, the lack of awareness or knowledge with finances, 
what was the first, so awareness was number one, that sounded mm-hmm. like the second thing you did is you had a, a, a conversation with your mom and you decided that you were going to change the narrative, that you were yeah. going on a new trajectory with a new outcome, not just for yourself, but for your people. Mm-hmm. And then what, what was it? Was it surrounding yourself with the coaches and the masterminds yeah. and the groups? Yeah. To, Continue okay. learning, okay. elevating the mindset, um, surrounding who, like that was the big thing was, was surrounding um with more like-minded people that were on a similar growth patterns and so being around people like that you start learning how they think what they what they talk about the stuff they do and you start adapting your own style to that and, and it became very valuable and the the thing that really changed it Tanya was up to up to a certain number of years into it I, I got a lot of free help right and then there's a time where I started investing into courses, um, seminars, workshops. And then I started going, flying places to different places. Then I started to uh, hire one-on-one help. Then I started getting into masterminds. And then I got all this knowledge, you know, resources. Now I, I'm able to, 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 to use what I need at different times. And so, that, you know, that, that I tell people very openly, that was over uh, 100K investment over like three years where I invested heavily into that stuff. And that was right before COVID hit. I was like hardcore into it, right? And, and I'd be going to all these different places. I'd be, and that's because I wanted it so bad. You know, the hunger manifested, so to speak, because when you get these opportunities, it's like we were talking about, you, you try to take them. If, they, if it aligns with where you're trying to go, you should take as many opportunities as you can. So what what was the the drive? Because I you have a book, right? The book is called Driven? Yes. Right. Driven to succeed, yeah. So what is the, what, what was the drive for you? What is the, and I don't want to say end goal, where are you looking to go? Um, so pre COVID, um, at the height of that, I was trying to take my speaking business to, um, sustainable national, but, but more so international levels. I was trying to travel more uh, beyond the borders to then COVID came and I was, I was like on track for my rec- a record year at that time. I was like, holy man, we're, we're going to crush it. Right. And then COVID came in and wiped out a lot of those plans. So then just like that, we lost six figure plus in revenue overnight. And it was, it was pretty, pretty rough at that time. And I had to adapt really quickly to this virtual stuff and building like a studio and whatnot. And uh, thankfully we're, we're uh, we've been on the rebound and, and we're, we're back to what we're looking at now. So it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's been a blessing in disguise for us. And um, now we're able to mix mostly virtual, which I can do from home. My two kids are out there um, thankfully being quiet and I can travel once in a while. And that's starting to come up here this fall too. So it's uh, it's, before it was all travel, Tanya, you know, yeah. now it's, I can do both. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So I, I have a, a question going back to the investment that you made in education, because this came up mm-hmm. with a, um, a, another guest too, who invests significantly in education. Yeah. And both of you have used that word invest in. And as an investor, my head, and I understand that you invest in other businesses as well. Mm-hmm. It, it's this whole idea of ROI. And for the longest time, I had a hard time investing. And I realized it was about me investing in myself, yep. not necessarily the education, but me investing in my growth. Do you have any sort of strategy on how you decide what you're going to invest in when it comes to education? 
And mm-hmm. do you look to measure ROI? Like how, because I know so many people sit on the fence with education, mistrusting the value of it and whether it's yeah. really pay off or not. I think, I think for, first it, it's, you got to know what you want. What, where, where do you want to go with this thing? Whatever it is that you're trying to start. For me, the biggest shift came from when I said, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to become a speaker. I'm going to start doing tours. I'm going to get on different stages across this country. And once I made that decision, I had to shift everything into building now a speaking brand. So as I made the decision, okay, I need a website, I need video, I need, um, I need uh, to fine tune my speaking topics, I need to write a book. I created online courses. I started uh, developing my own coaching programs as an upsell. And also I just launched indigenousconsulting.com, which is uh, a theme that that's needed right now. So that's my consulting business right now. I just launched that last week. So, so we're going into the growth needed to get from where you are to where you want to be. You have to become a different person. If you have to become a different person, you have to learn certain things that will help get you there. Who knows that knowledge? That's where I start. Okay, so if I need to find this stuff, I go research. Who knows this stuff? Do they have events? Do they have books? Do they have courses? Okay, I'm going to go to that stuff. I want to buy that stuff. And if I can, I will talk to that person on a consult, on a coaching call. I will pay it. Because if I can find something that they know that they can tell me that will cut that learning curve, it's worth it. The, the time and the learning curve is the investment, <clears throat> Tanya. Boom. It's, it's not so much... Uh, <clears throat> If I can measure the how much money I'm making, it's okay. If I had done this myself for a year, it maybe would have taken me two years to find out what this person told me on one call. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of coaching. Most people don't see it that way. You want to go and learn from people that have done it. It's kind of like, I, I'm not going to go learn to start a business from, I, I'm not trying to be negative to some universities, but some, a prof that has never started a business. It makes no sense. I want to go learn to someone that that's made a million plus in their speaking business that has helped someone make a million plus in their speaking business. That's who I want to learn from because they're doing something right. Kendall, that's huge. That's huge. So out of that, again, for people listening or watching, the two big takeaways that I had in that is a know where it is that you're looking to land. Like what is your goal? Right. Because I think a lot of founders, they start a business for the sake of starting a business. You know, they're passionate about doing what they do, but they don't have the end in mind. So even when it comes to education, I hear in, in your story that you knew exactly what it was that you wanted to build, what you wanted to do. You found the education for it. But I think the other big mic drop moment in this to your, it's not about measuring the ROI on that education. It, it Well, in, in some respects it is, but the time saving. The value of the education that you're getting and how much time that's going to save you because your process was about expediting your growth. Let's not sit on the fence for two years and try to. And also too, for for those who are more knowledge or service-based, it's you become more valuable as a person, which means your business is going to become more valuable. If you're going to know stuff that other people don't know in your area, the more you invest up here, you're going to become more valuable as a resource to companies if you're working with them. And so that's what I try to build. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I want, I'll share with you one more thing here, Tanya. Here's something that most, I guess, this is how extreme. Sometimes I consider myself kind of hardcore at things sometimes. And one of the things I did was I closed all my retail down to focus here. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, so you yeah. had st- you had stores, yes. you had retail yep. stores where you were selling your merchandise, clothing, yep. branded gear. Yep. You closed all of your retail establishments. Mm-hmm. Was this pre-COVID? Or after COVID? Pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID, you decided yeah. to shut everything down. Yeah. A year before COVID, 2018 was my last one. Yeah. 
Okay. Wow. And to focus on education and empowerment and speaking? Speaking, speaking, coaching, consulting. Yeah. Okay. And can I ask, Mm -hmm. is that because you were purpose-driven or was that financially driven? What was the cause, the reason behind that? I would say purpose, lifestyle, calling, if you will. Um, I'd already felt that in 2014. Okay. And I, it's just been, a, it was a slow growth. In fact, in 2015, when our lease was expiring in the mall, I had a choice. I could, I can keep going in the mall and keep doing, we, we did, we did, we did well. Right. But it wasn't like, um, it wasn't fulfilling to me because what took away from it was we're, we're open every day. Right. It's exhausting. Plus you're working on mall hours. That's almost 12 hours a day. Some, you know, so to staff, to make sure that people are showing up. It was exhausting, you know, seven days a week. And um, I got tired of retail. And so by 2016, I moved, I moved to an off-site location on Circle Drive. And we were there for uh, two years. During that time, I was already working on my business, my speaking business. I had already incorporated a different company and I had an office there. I was starting to speak. I was starting to do webinars and um, I worked myself out of retail. I guess you could say by 2018, I found someone to take over the lease. I became a, uh, a sub landlord so I can, I can do this. And I, I just remember I went down to wall street common and I opened up an office there to, to, to launch this thing. Yeah. COVID came, knocked out all those plans and I've been home ever since. So that's uh, I took it as a sign to work from home for now. So it's so far so good. So far so good and yeah. doing really well. And the, the whole purpose piece, right. And, and being able mm-hmm. to follow through on that. So in, um, in, cl- in, in closing, in, in wrapping this up, I am curious with everything that you've um, so uh, graciously um, have shared with us with respect to some of the challenges that you've overcome to get to where you are, what mm-hmm. do you tend to measure right now when it comes to your, your monthly finances? What do you keep your eye on? For me, it's bookings, and this can come in the form of uh, a virtual event, an in-person, but this is also inclusive to um, to consults and coaching. Okay. So I those are, are the most important. So number one, the main driving revenue for us is the is the speaking. Obviously, you know we we um, we we have a fee to go and speak at an event, a meeting, and so on, and we show up for an hour and. After that, sometimes we try to upsell coaching, consulting, books, whatever that might be. And um, we try to maintain that relationship because it's easier to maintain a relationship with someone you've done work with already than trying to go and find new clients. And so I try to work with people I've already worked with that have seen me in action, that that, that, that trust me now. And uh, I try to make a, a, um, a long-term thing. That, that right there, Tanya, initially I was like, gig, 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 gig. Most bands are like, gig, 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 right? In this business, if you want to grow a successful consulting, a successful speaking, any service space particularly, you have to try work with people you worked with before. Find a long-term win-win. It's easy to do that than trying to go and find and hustle for a gig, gig, gig. It's exhausting, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's how amazing. can you work with people you've already worked with? I always go back to past clients and they say, here's a new offer. Here's a new product. Hey, have you heard we just launched this? Indigenousconsulting.com 
I, I'm in the middle of campaigning that right now. Guess what? We already got a few engagements because we have a new offer. Nice. And because they trust us already and we've done work with them. So I'm I, so I'm hearing that that retention in your clients, the servicing of your clients, exceeding their expectations. Mm-hmm. I know that many of the founders that I work with, um, oftentimes the it, they get challenged in the relationship right towards the end, especially the invoice goes out. Yeah. And then it almost feels like they're either afraid to collect or afraid to, to, to step in and engage in that conversation around yeah. how did we do, um, what could we do better, uh, can we book our next session with you? It and is, always do it on the phone. Don't, you, don't do that stuff on the email. That's, you, that's where okay. a lot of people get scared and they, it's like they're, yeah. they get timid, right? Yes. They're scared of this. You have to do it on the phone because okay. this develops relationship, right? You hear yes. my tonality, you hear my sincerity in my voice. So it's going to be easier for me when I give an offer. It won't feel as, as uh, here's an offer. Do you want it or not? You know, it doesn't feel salesy. Right. And so one more thing, Tony, before I know we're, we're almost out of time here. Ask, ask yourself what you can systemize. Because when we got out of retail, we systemized our online business to be uh, royalty-based because we had built the brand up. Now people come and buy from us on repeats. We drop ship. We get a we get a royalty. Our our suppliers now fulfill for us. We don't do anything. Nice. Our books are the same way. Wow. Okay. So what can you systemize? Our online courses are the same way. I show up now as a speaker, as a coach, consultant. That's when I show up live now. Everything else I try to automate as much as I can. So in your businesses, what can you systemize that would take a lot of time off your plate? but still give value to your clients at the end of the day. Beautiful. And for us, that was a big thing for us when we made the shift. That's great advice. That's great advice. Thank you for that. I think that, um, yeah, the, the value of, of time goes up exponentially, right? And then obviously the, the financials get stronger as you, uh, as you follow through with that. Um, so Kendall, for people who want to reach out to you, where, where should we direct people? Is it, is it did you say indigenousconsulting.com? Indigenousconsultant.com or indigenousspeaker.com. Okay. Two different websites, same thing. Um, you can reach out to me at either or. Okay, perfect. And and if you're um, if you're listening to this and you're curious about Kendall's story, there's some phenomenal uh, YouTube videos um, that kind of I guess they were there to 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 support the book and they share a little bit of your story, Kendall. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, they're they're extremely motivational to uh, to listen to. So thank you for putting those out there. Um, Kendall, anything, I guess, as a last question, what does being financially fierce mean to you? You hear those words and what does that mean to you? Um, being financially fierce to me is being okay with, with the money that you earn and being okay to, to spend it in a way that serves yourself and the people you love. And if you're meant to have more, then use it in a way that you can help people around you on a bigger impact. Because if you, when you have, when you align it with a bigger purpose, what happens? You have to fulfill a bigger area. So that means what's going to come through you more. Mm. So that's beautiful. What a powerful way to end this episode. Kendall, I so appreciate you making the time 
and uh, and for sharing your story. It's a powerful story. I know that many founders will be able to uh, to learn from it. So thank you for that. Founders, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. As always, please stay safe out there, stay strong, and stay financially fierce. We'll see you for the next episode of The Gap Lab. Bye for now.